This is how it's going to start. Just me now? No effects? I don't get. Is it all? Okay, fine. <clears throat> Hi, welcome to Live to Tape, also known as the Executive Buffet, even better known as Daddy's Big Red Truck. It's like a giant, big red truck, the kind that's like not super old where it's in, and it's not an antique, you know, so you're like, oh, look at that old geezer. And it's not like so new where you're like, wow, nice truck, asshole. It's like, um, it's in between. And it's a big red truck, and it can just, it can go over bumps, and you like it. And um, the Executive Buffet, we'll take you downtown the Executive Buffet they're having on the mezzanine level. And you can sit in a nice vinyl booth with a guy named Greg, and maybe a guy named Tom, and Michael, and maybe someone named Joe. Okay? That's what we're doing here. This is it. The Executive Buffet, where everyone puts their hands on the branch. Great guest today. Great guest. One of the best guests we've had. This is a big get, okay? So what you call a get. Uh, please check us out on Twitch. By us, I mean me and my team. It's twitch.tv slash Johnny Pemberton. That's twitch.tv slash Johnny Pemberton. I'm there at least once a week, maybe more. Usually on Mondays, Monday evenings. Come check us out. It's, we're building up some steam there. We're making some headway. It's free to watch. It's free to comment. All that stuff. So, so come, come party. Come party, baby. Also, um, check me out on Instagram and Twitter and stuff because I will be announcing some tour dates at some point here. Um, I know it's been really frustrating for everyone with these cancellations and stuff. Um, you know, we just live in a, a certain type of hell, and that's just... We're getting used to it. It's like being in the Blitz, you know? You're like, wow, these bombs keep coming down, and... I'm not dying, so, well, I guess I'll just do stuff. That's how I sort of feel right now. So be sure to come to those shows when they do happen. They're going to happen. They're going to be fucking great. Also, what else? Um, that's everything. Oh, patreon.com slash live to tape. Patreon.com slash live to tape. P-A-T. I don't know how you spell Patreon, but you can figure it out. Go check me out on there. And just, you know, generally just consume uh, my media and stuff. I also have a shop. If you want, everyone to buy any of the shirts that you see me wearing on uh, stuff, they're usually for sale in my shop. It's attached to my Instagram. You can go there easily and check it out. Just click view shop. shop. Lots, Lots of good, of good stuff, stuff there. there. 
guest today is outstanding. She's an incredibly talented person. I love her work. She's so funny. She's from fucking Ireland, for Christ's sake. I mean, and she comes to America all the time. She's just, she's incredible. I've been a fan and a friend of hers for a very long time. And it's just been, a, it's incredible we got a chance to sit down and do this together. You're gonna love her. You're gonna make a love her. Her name, name is Ashton B. So, Aisling, you are... <laughs> Ashling, first of all, if you're going to, if I'm going to oh. start talking about my right-wing views, I'd like Ashling. at least to be fully named... How, do, how did I just say it? <laughs> Aisling. Aisling, okay. But, but, that is, but that's how people say it, who are saying wrong. it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, if you're so going to say it wrong... So, you're right in that regard. Say it, if you're going to say it wrong, <laughs> say it the right way wrong, right? I always say that. Um, that's my Ashley. So it's almost like Ashley. So basically, your name is Ashley. That's what I tell coffee uh, coffee you shop say people. Ashley. Basically, I'm now having the discussion with you that I have in coffee shops. You do? Yeah. I um, always go with the name that you is the banter like of a barista. Basically, Johnny is what I'm. I'm a barista. I'm a barrister. I'm a I'm a barrister. That that would be the f- you'd be the first person I'd call if I get into any legal troubles. Yeah, like, so let me call my barrister. That's a, is that lawyer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the in same the, as a solicitor? In the UK, they don't use the phrase lawyer right. in the UK and Ireland. There's no such thing as like, I'm a lawyer. You know. And I didn't know that because I watch too much American TV shows. So right. like The Good Wife is what I base all of my legal drama. I've never seen The Good Wife. Should <sighs> I have seen The Good Wife? It's brilliant. And then after The Good Wife left, The Good Wife franchise, The Good Come Fight like Juliana Margulies? Juliana Margulies. And she, oh, the thi- the situations she would solve using her sass and years as a housewife where she actually flourished after her divorce. Oh, this is on the show. On the show, yes. She's a good wife, but this is she's post. She's not wife anymore. Well, there's a bit of a wink with the title. Sure, there's oh. a bit of a like, she's am a I a good wife. wife now? Like, yeah, like what is it to be? It's all about payback. Wife. It's, mm, but the sort of like, the sort of payback your therapist would be proud of you for having, rather than like Kill Bill. My therapist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, my therapist. That is my favorite thing about the <laughs> Irish language is when the THs become, the thus become tuz. Tuz. Uh, did I say it there? Did I do you that? My therapist. Did I say my therapist? Or how do you say, how do you say one, two? One, two, three, four, five. Is it Johnny? three? It it's is not three. three. It depends on where you're from Where would in you be Ireland. from to say three? My town. <laughs> Where's that? Kildare in Ireland. Kildare. County Kildare? You might say three sometimes like that. Damn. Yeah, just that these and those just the way the TH goes. This, that, these, those. This is the way the TH goes. Damn. I am so fascinated with the Irish accent that one time I annoyed the shit out of a a traveling companion. You know Andrew Ryan? He's a comedian. Yes, yes. Yeah, I was touring with him. Lovely guy. And he has such a great accent. He's yeah, from so he yes, he's got a really oh, thick Irish accent. God, yeah. but it's so pretty. Gorgeous. Just like yeah, it flies it's very around like a musical. Bird. It's a version of the accent I used to thought you had. I remember you had a character on stage. I think it was when we. Do you know what? I couldn't remember. Right. The, I was thinking like, when did we first meet? It's a while ago, wasn't and it? And I think it was a Just for Laughs in Montreal. Was it? And I think you were doing a character. And you know when it was? It was we were doing set list. Okay. In Montreal. Was it wearing a cowboy and hat? Yes. And you came on and did your set list. And then I was about to go on. God, Absolute newbie. Really scared. This is a long and time ago. And Babs Raman, who runs it, who's a gorgeous person, comes up and said, would you mind if someone else went up before you? And I was like, no, fine. He wasn't. She was like, Eddie Izzard. Yeah, I know. I was. Do you remember he that? He was in the gig? green room. I didn't really. 
And I was all yeah. nervous, ready to go up, and you just stormed it with your cowboy hat doing all your, um, one of your voices, yeah. which I thought is how you spoke. And then, um, and I love, that's my probably my favorite American accent. That was accent, a good set. Which is good because this is, you know, a right-wing podcast. Right. So uh, <laughs> Finally. Finally, something I can connect to. And, um, and then Iggy Izzard went up before me. But I think at the time, the chasm between him and me was so big, it actually worked out fine. Like the audience felt sorry oh, for yeah. me having to follow him. Well, they also probably you know, just... They were like, oh, what, this baby has to follow this politician. <laughs> like this, you know. Yeah, but also I think it's probably a thing where he... He's like such a great person. Yes, he and doesn't performer, just like whiz of improv. And that whole gig for anyone who's listening and hadn't seen it before, set list is a completely improvised gig mm-hmm. where the people it's who ultimate. run the show give you just random sort of words and you have to riff and pretend it's yeah. your stand up. So I I loved that. Like I love, I love it. it suits certain brains Mm -hmm. really well i think our brains work well when we don't know what's coming yeah i love it because it's like a thing where oh this is what i want to be doing anyways Mm. and it's giving me an excuse to do something i normally do the bit that i hate is actually coming up with stuff at home on my own so if someone else can throw stuff at me and i'm like yeah i can talk about anything so usually right on your feet then i i i have ideas on my feet and i i I have ideas pottering around right so like i'll be cooking i'll be in the shower pottering so P-O-T oh, this P-U-T? comes up a lot. P O T T E R I N G. This came up in another podcast with a, an Australian comedian, and they were I like, "Do you know what pottering is? Pottering is like pottering about. It's like just sort of, you know, maybe like cleaning up your house on a Saturday, yeah. putting the bins out, maybe just like running through a few text messages you have to reply to, just sort of pottering about." You See, know? I say puttering. Puttering. Yeah, putter like it, like oh, I'm I'm just puttering around. Puttering around. Oh God, I wonder. Am I, I might saying have been, it I'm wrong pri- or wrong? I think I'm probably saying it wrong. No, jo- I can't imagine you ever being wrong. That's why this is the right no. wing podcast. Because it's not the right wing, right. it's the right. The right. It's the wing of people who are right. Yeah, even when you got my name yeah. wrong, you were like, it's right though for wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's so the right like wrong this way. Was, you're probably right. That's so Puttering. funny. But you're, so you think about oh. bits and you're putt- yeah, and I'll have pottering an idea. around. And the one thing I've learned with stand-up is always write it down. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to bed and you think of something funny and you think I'll remember that in the morning, you will You'll not. You will not. You won't. And you're like, but it's too good mm-hmm. for me to forget. It's too big right. an idea. It's the whole hour fleshed out. Uh, I will definitely remember it. Yeah. Can we pause there? The door just knocked. Sure. I, I wasn't sure what that was. Ashlyn is helping someone right now who's just rung the door and they have the south address and we're at the north address and they're asking a lot of her. They're asking so much help. I was just telling people, I resumed it real quick saying that you had to provide a lot of assistance just now. It was, do you know, so uh, we can't obviously leave in... Oh, no, not at all. No, no. Um, I would never do that. Uh, thank you very much for saying I provided a lot of assistance. Um, when I'm not too tired, I am one of the most assisting people in really? the world. When I'm even a little bit tired, oh, I've really had to work on my crankiness, especially after the pandemic. I'm like, sorry, wrong address. Yeah, work it out. They just Google asked what, which direction north was. And you yeah. Were like, um, it's this way is north, that's south. I built south. them a compass at the door yeah. from some sticks and some sun and a magnifying glass and that's then sent them really off nice on their way. That's very nice. But it was, it, was a, it was a sort of lady who looked like everybody's mom. Yeah. And she was like, these are Christmas presents for you guys. And I couldn't 
I'm like, that's absolutely, that could be my mother. I would have taken them. I would have been like, um, <laughs> okay. I don't know they're not, so. So I'm going to take all yeah. of these uh, tiny earrings for my piercings. And Ooh. Yeah. What were, we sa- what were we talking about, though? We were talking about... We were talking about, about how we come up with... Around, oh, put it... And putting you around, the bits. I'll come up with a, a bullet point of something, jot it down, and in my head, as long as I know what the point is, mm-hmm. I tend to head out onto stage and roughly find it on stage. Right. Um, I always record my gigs, but yeah, I, I started doing rarely that. listen to them back because I hate listening to myself. Yeah. But what I've gotten recently is a friend who's really good at typing to transcribe them for me. And Do you pay so this person? No way. She's, it's just a privilege for her to do. <laughs> of course I pay her, Johnny. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Can you imagine if I was like, hi, our friendship. Like, I'm not well, in maybe she like a mean loves, girl like, in secondary school. <laughs> I just love transcribing things. I love your voice. I love sitting there and turning what it, so our sounds into words. No more than you and I do that many gigs for free. Even if she does love transcribing, yeah. she should be getting paid for it. Um, so yeah, she transcribes it. And it's very, <laughs> I remember when she first started doing it, I saw, because I don't realize how much I speak. I do from other people's faces mm-hmm. and how much time sometimes has passed. Right. But I don't feel it happening. Like I don't, yeah. I don't see any shorter way I could have said things sometimes. Okay. And some people are so succinct and I'm like, I don't can't understand how you got to the point so quick and uh, I remember reading out the first transcription she did at one of my gigs and I I could see in black and white just random things that once I saw it in black and white I had remembered I said to the audience like I like your hat where did you get that waistcoat oh God. sir or where are you from isn't that great don't we all love hats anyways back to my point and I couldn't believe how much to see it there yeah, yeah it was really it was like sh- showing a, a shopaholic their receipts and going I suppose I did have three burritos and a coffee and I buy two hats but I don't know where the hats went your honor it was just yeah so it was a bit weird I think I have trouble more trouble looking at all the words I said and less about the sound of my voice because I feel like I've heard my voice so much from doing you have to edit your podcast voice. Though, well, then yeah. vo- just doing voice work too, like doing voiceover for cartoons and stuff. I hear it, so I'm really c- accustomed mm. to the sound of it. But the whole idea of um, of like seeing the seeing writing, the words, because I'm like, ah, oh, I said that. It's so concrete. Where if I just kind of set it aside, I can, oh, just, I'll just, I won't remember that. Oh my God, I'm the exact opposite, Damn. where I sometimes I'm proud of the writing I did. Oh, right. W- but I don't judge it through the, 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 my ears having to listen to myself. But doesn't that, um, doesn't that pose a big problem? Because I feel like a huge issue with what, I'm, th- I'm thinking about this as I'm saying, because maybe I'm totally wrong, but I feel like a huge part of something you do that's new is not what you said, but how you said it. Yes, but I'll remember the energy with which I said it. You do? So, for example, when we are on acting jobs, if someone says to you, could you do that angrier? You'll mm-hmm. go, yeah, and you'll do it angrier. If someone said, can you do the line, I don't care where you put the kettle, Mary, I want it now. Yeah. You go, okay, I'll repeat that in the sound of it, but it won't carry the emotion. I'll just be parroting it and I'll right. probably lose a bit of grounding. So... I will know from looking at a joke myself thinking, oh, I, I said that kind of passionately or loudly or I'll gauge it from the room when next I say it. Yeah. But the actual... The cadence. Yeah, cadence would act, would throw me. So I suppose we'd probably both be coming at the same idea from mm-hmm. just different angles. Because a lot of doing stand-up, I think the craft is knowing how to manage yourself. Oh, yeah. You spend the first few years fighting 
what's natural to you like fighting that you might be lazy and you're like yeah. no I'm just gonna have to find a way to like get around that I'm lazy in some regards and very hard working in others and to try and kind of get on board with your own personality style and ha- and what's a sustainable way of working totally you know yeah those are all very good points I'm thinking now I should try translating because maybe that would help me with the thing very thing I just talked about is trying to remember the cadence maybe it doesn't matter it's more about um, just the words and I'll find the cadence in Especially because you're an improviser. So right. you don't need to hear how it sounded three weeks ago. You're, you're, uh, you're working within the energy of that room you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not someone who doesn't react to the room or is not present. In yeah, you like have you're, to. You're always very different in gigs. But you know the way there are some comedians who almost like can flat pack out a perfect set no matter where they go mm-hmm. and it's sort of it's they don't need they any it could be any audience and they'll react no audience. the same or no audience and they can yeah. just do it and i i i'd love to have more of that but i'm i'm yeah. not i'm really affected by my day and arriving and but that's good though that makes it something that's living and not just a not just like a it's just a bit like it a can just be a bit scarier so. but like learning but i suppose that's the thing rather than fighting that going come on Ashing, that's one of the skills so there's no point panicking all day just panic the hour before yeah or you know? uh be, like look at the panic be okay this is this is what this is it's not going to destroy me it's just the thing that is happening and it's not like something i can necessarily control yes. but also it doesn't control you as well it's like a when did you start doing you and rory scoville both do this and i remember because like rory came and did a gig in um london and he just decided to do the whole thing southern okay. his whole absolute regular stand-up set but just in a southern voice right when when did you like when do you decide when you're going to do a voice or not a voice because your stand-up is so you it's mm. not like it's like yesterday i was Picking a fairy up from the magical forest of nymphs, you know. It's, it's like, yeah. like oh, there's a fairy out there, and there's a <laughs> yeah, ma- okay. No. So uh, that was me yeah. improvising. <laughs> it's gold. I don't um, know. I think a lot of times I don't really. Uh, if I'm doing a character, I'll do the voice. Mm. But oh, I don't know. A lot of that stuff is just like it's like an ancient idea of, I think like mask work. The idea mm. or so, oh, that's such a highfalutin thing to say, but I feel more like it's a thing where. Even though I'm doing a voice, it's still the same person. Like one time yes. I, used to, I used to, for like a year or so, every time I do a set, not every time, but a lot of times I would say, I just took a bunch of ecstasy right before the set. You, you did or you say that. I would say that. And I would act like I was rolling really hard. Yeah. And I thought I was doing a character. A lot of people didn't even hear that part to it. Yeah. And they just thought it was, you know, just me That's what I. That's thing. what I feel you have. And I wish... I had more of it. I think I'm very like my maximum self on stage, but I wish I had more of the like, you, you put bits of acting into your stand up, and it just seems like I, that would be a lot more fun for me if I did what you do, which well, you is where you're it. just like, yeah, I suppose, I, yeah, I suppose it gets harder the further along in your career you get because yeah, then it becomes Ash and B just took a load of ecstasy before she went on stage. It's so unprofessional, I paid for a ticket. Whereas with you, I oh. would predict I opposite, Johnny though. Pemberton will come out with something and I feel like it's him but there'll be little bits of characters there but it doesn't have to be and right. that's the roller coaster of going to see you in a great way. I suppose, yeah, if you, if you know what you're getting into then you're not disappointed but if you yeah. said you took a bunch of ecstasy before a show and mm-hmm. they paid for a ticket, I think that people would be like, fuck yeah, this is the show to see because this is the one that's going to be imagine crazy. Imagine how much if I speak. If I imagine how mad it would be. You should do it. You should do it. Just say you did it. And if you say you do mm. something, it gives you license to act like you are because yeah. how does anyone know that's true or not? They have no, they have no they idea. D- that's, I think, 
it's it's funny, isn't it though? Because you could recommend that, but if I saw, say, you or our buddy Ian Carmel, mm-hmm. if Ian came out and said that, I would be like, "Oh my god, did he?" And then I might be a little bit worried for him. Okay. While I'm on stage watching him. But isn't that fun? Whereas if you did, yeah, just be worried, be worried. No, people don't like being worried about someone. That's the one thing that you can talk about anything happening to you on stage as long as an audience is not worried that you're not okay. But if you're giving off the impression that you are under control and okay, yes, 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 they're not going to worry. Yeah, it just might drop into the. The the I'm I'm genuinely not trying to know and your suggestion. No, we're getting the nitty gritty here. Yeah, it's it's more. It's like why I remember writing some jokes for a TV show I was doing and I wrote a joke I really loved and I said it and I was like, ah, this would have been better if Ramesh said it. And it's literally nothing to do with the joke. It's that certain, um, I remember reading this book at university called uh, something like Signifiers or something like that. Signifiers? It was by this um, uh, writer called Roland Barth. And okay. something like signs, but like how, say, for example, this might sound like a tangent, but it's getting somewhere. Say, for example, someone comes in with a beret and garlic around their neck. Two things, French. Right. You know, little things that suddenly mean something else. And there are certain things that become branding for all of us, for a product, for anything, right. a color, a, a sound, a like classic look for what something defines as a product and you essentially within even though we're artists or craftsmen or whatever you want idiots whatever you want to call us it is um we we do put out signifiers because jokes you need to get in quick to know what the joke is and you sometimes have five minutes ten minutes 20 Mm -hmm. minutes so you don't have time always to like walk people through the vibe yeah you gotta let them know yeah they need to know a little bit exactly who you are where you're coming from and I remember thinking, oh, the, the signifiers for this particular audience, we were doing a political show. I was, uh, and am, I think, still a woman. <laughs> and Irish. Yeah. Two of the things that haven't dramatically changed. And the sound of me within a political sphere and also being foreign within that environment. I'm not foreign to myself, but foreign. it was on a UK pol- political mm-hmm. kind of comedy post-election show as opposed to Ramesh, who has a drier sense of humor and you would expect him to do something that dry and you would know if he's sort of, he suits maybe a roast type of joke more. And when I do it, it seems like that might actually be an opinion I have. And not being, not being, uh, not being roasty. I'm less zingy as a person. So Mm -hmm. it sort of came out as just an insult. And I was like, ah, I could probably do the joke, but I'd have to work a different way into it than just doing the zinger. Because how it lands is just different. Um, and and the context of where you are matters. There are some jokes that you're like, oh, I won't be able to do that for six months. But in six months' time, I think everyone will be fine. So right, it's right. And that, so that sort of matters. So I'm going to send you a transcription. I'm, I, need like a, I need a full oh breakdown. God, we should just do each other's. Breakdown. You get your transcription from the ecstasy one, and I'll go on stage. And okay. I'll do your brilliant joke about trucks and stuff like that and see if I can. It would be worth it. Yeah. There are shows that do that. There are shows that do that, but I fear, my big fear is if I went and someone else did my material, they'd expose how, like, hello, dear, hello, how are you now? Are you all right or no? It was. But that's, like, oh. that's just who you are, though. Is it now, Johnny? You're, so oh, that's what you think. You're I'm here as a model in my modeling capacity. Thank you very much. Okay, thank, good, good, good to be here, model. <laughs> well, you, what I still understand is how, because um, you perform all over the United States, and I know you from performing 
here, I guess in Canada as well, mm-hmm. but I don't, I've never gone over to Ireland and to England and done even close to my performing. I've been there, but not, um, I actually have never done stand up in the UK. Never Whoa. done stand up. No, I haven't. How did you first come over here? Well, so. I have been an actor for about 20 years right. and a stand up for about 10 or 12, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I went to drama school in the UK, thought I was going to be a very serious actor. But right. I, when I was in university before that, I'd been in a, a sketch group, kind of a mostly male sketch group. Right. And that I didn't really know what comedy was before that. I knew I loved making people laugh, but I didn't really know what a sketch was or... Yeah. That I just didn't it was just such a foreign concept to me um yeah. it was sort of like someone who just had you know takeaways suddenly realizing you can cook <laughs> and um then when I got out of university I went to drama school to become a very serious actor and when I came out I was just out of this in Ireland this is in London oh London where'd you go I I went to Lambda which is a drama school in London and when I graduated, I was just, I honestly expected to immediately have... Have work. Harvey Weinstein, celebrated at the time, uh, producer, Harvey Weinstein. We love Weinstein. you. We think you're so we, great. Oh, why don't you come over and visit me? I'll put you up in a hotel. Would have loved that. Mm-hmm. But luckily, or unluckily, that did not happen. Right. And... Uh, you mean expectations were not met? Expectations were not actually God. immediately met, Johnny. That's crazy. That, and do you know that keeps on happening? And I... Every time mm-hmm. you think, surely by now I should expect expectations not to, to be not met. To not be met, yeah. But every time I expect expectations to be met. I'm trying to do the opposite now. Not meet expectations? I'm trying to have um, anti-expectations. Oh, interesting. Where does that tremble uh, tentatively tiptoe into negativity? Or pessimism. Um, it probably do does to some extent, but I think it's also about. Oh, I want to be so busy with. I used to think my idea was I want to be so busy with my stuff that anything else that comes my way will be an inconvenience to what I'm trying to do. Yes, I think that's the I best way to be. Exactly, it's what hard you mean. to yeah, do that though. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done it a couple times. Because a lot of fun stuff comes in, and you're like, no, I'm too busy doing a podcast with Ashling today. Right, Spielberg. Because like, because I, I really want to do it. Reschedule. Yeah. Yeah, or like just be uh, the thing you're working on is more interesting than the thing that someone's asking you to oh, work on. So it's the feeling, not the um, outside thought. Yeah, the, like the thing where you just make it. You like make you the, are such in a state of joy somewhere else that no matter what comes in, you're like, I'm not going to leave this party. I'm having a brilliant yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and that's. I actually, I feel the same, but it's taken me a long time to realize that's what I mean. And mm-hmm. I confuse it with career things. I confuse mm-hmm. the joy or I confused wanting to be at a party and having fun with trying to see what type of party I would like to be at. I think I know. Wait, so, yeah. um, for example, I was like, oh, when I get that job, that mm-hmm. would be really good fun. Or if I got that thing, that would be great. Yeah. If I was there, I think I'd have a really good time. Right. Rather than going... Who am I with? How would I like to feel? I'd like to feel joyful. Maybe it'll be three people in the kitchen or a hundred people yeah. at a dance party. And mm-hmm. um, maybe it'll be just sitting with Johnny and it'll be fun as hell. So right. I'm not thinking about there's a cool bar we could go to later on. That could be fun. That could be fun. We have to get there. Yeah, yeah. We have try- to get there. Trying to get something as opposed to enjoying mm. the thing that you are doing. Yes. And I, yeah. I think this industry, I think comedy and why we start comedy really allows for that. 
I think when you make it your career, mm-hmm. you get swerved off. And I was talking to Pete Holmes about this, not in his podcast, don't worry, not mm-hmm. doing crossover pollination between subjects and You can do that, podcasts. though. It's okay. Oh, yeah. sister podcasts. Um, but we were just talking about this in general. And I was saying that it, it a lot of the time when you work in this industry, and maybe this is in everyone's industry, the farming industry as well, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, big shout out to all the farmers listening. Farmer. Farmers. Hello. Um, that there always seems you're in a room and you think, oh, I wonder where the next room is. Yeah. Or is there another room where all the other people are or where the better people are or where something more cool is going on? Did I miss out on getting into that room? Is this yeah. the best possible room I could be in? And it's realizing a it's a bad place to be, but so easy to be swayed in there. Oh, absolutely. It's a version on Instagram. Oh my God, I thought I looked really nice today, but it's now I'm looking comparison. at all these other people who are absolute human yeah. comparison. And it's so innate with uh, in us and very hard to avoid because of all of the algorithms and things oh, that all of these so hard avoid, companies yeah. know. Or in this town, for example, and yeah. that we live in, which is very showbiz orientated. And one year you have an award in your hand and you are let in. And the following year, you're not on the list. And it can be very visceral. In it's it's not just um, a random concept. It can also be reflected in your pay packet, your uh-huh. health care. Are you in a big show? You can get your teeth fixed. You can go yeah. to the doctor. So can your kids. Are you not? Then this year, you don't get your health care. Right. So it's not entirely a crazy concept. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in other people with jobs or moving forward. But in terms of your actual spirit... What I'm going, oh, imagine if I just, um, if I try to make the room I'm in the best one I could be in. For sure. And this party good. And so just try and be present. I find that difficult. And that's my new, like, going into 2022. Not go looking for other rooms. Go, this would be, if I, if it's just me as Ashling, as baby Ashling, mm-hmm. who just wanted to do comedy to make people laugh because I'm a bit of a show off and silly, this can be the room. It doesn't have to be, you know, and that's the success. The success is how you feel, not what you are doing. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, you could also say that goes both ways that people, a lot of people who have had a significant amount of success, Mm -hmm. it's not that they're having success. It's just because they are feeling successful because they are present and things come your way because you really aren't trying for or, I don't know how to say it. It's, it's something where... I know exactly what you mean. You're, And then how do you... It's one of those things, don't think of the pink elephant, though, sometimes. When people are like, you know, don't don't strive for t- towards success. Don't, and then it'll just happen. You're like, okay, so if yeah. I just wait here, will it happen? So all I have to do to make it happen is just wait here. Because then, then, in effect, you're actually doing something to try and bring it about. Like, it's yeah, very difficult to not get stuck in a little... It's an ironic of, trap, And how do you bring about stuff that you really want and you work hard for and you're excited about and... Where's the line? That's where I sometimes get a little bit. Um, well, that gets into some real different philosophical territory. Mm-hmm. It gets into like Buddhist ideas of of wanting nothing, essentially. And then, but like, you know, Buddhists, you got to pay your bills. You got to. Yeah, um, you don't have to pay your bills. Oh, yeah, maybe you <laughs> I mean, don't, Johnny. Maybe you don't have to pay Do your you bills. you live in my house now, Johnny? <laughs> yeah, I'm living here now because oh, I've decided um, on oh. this is my best place to be is oh. this spirit. Well, I suppose if I'm to be present, okay. then welcome. Thank you uh, for having me. Eat whatever's in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And I will go and eat at someone else's fridge. And eventually, I, I assume, we'll both keep moving until we end up with the richest person we know's fridge. Yeah. All will be equal. God's fridge. God's fridge. Let's all take a steak out of God's fridge. So are you Protestant or Catholic? Is that what I part was brought of up very Catholic. Okay. 
Um, so I can understand. That's probably why we're friends. Because I was brought up not yeah. very Catholic, but I went to Catholic school. That's why we did the handshake where you came in in the little wing. Exactly. Like, we're like, the oh, where's the holy water? Okay. okay. Priest in the <laughs> Some closet. Some of these people are not going to heaven. Because <laughs> that's Northern Ireland is Catholic? Uh, no. So for Southern. a broad, simplified uh, version, because you could get okay. into... Uh, tiptoe tentatively once again into trouble here really what um, kind of trouble well the political situation in ireland is thus that ireland was a country that mm-hmm. got at various points in its history taken over by various uh groups and ethnicities and peoples uh, i suppose one of the most contentious was the william british orange? william of orange mm-hmm. yeah um was not one of the good guys in no. our right. uh, in our history or um cromwell Oh, right. And they might be sometimes heroes and their streets named after them in Britain, but in Ireland they would be the notorious oppressors. But Cromwell's pretty much generally considered to be a bastard, right? Uh, in Irish yeah. history, yes. There's that famous Elvis Costello song, Oliver's Army. You know that one? No. Oh, Oliver so Costello. Oliver's Costello. Great that's a song. Do it's you not know that one? There, there was a check. But then child. I wonder, is he part Irish? Costello is a very Irish name. Probably is. Yeah. He looks kind of Irish. But isn't that the thing? Like, hero, oh, history is written by the victors. So depending on who, like, you know. Yeah. Well, he's very critical of Oliver. He talks about mm. how, like, they used to get all these poor kids from the UK to go mm. over there at 19 and kill Irish people, essentially. Yeah, you know? and that didn't really stop. Like, even yeah. there was a part in Irish history uh, in the early 1900s where Ireland was fighting for its freedom, but at a time when Britain was fighting Hitler. Okay. So we were essentially seen, it was bad PR for Irish people because right. we were fighting for our own freedom at a time when Britain was like, lads, we're over here fighting for Europe. And you're like, oh, there's no I didn't know real that. Winners. When was this? This would have been the, so the 1916 rising for World War oh, I. Okay. Uh, so the World 1916 War Rising was a big turning point in Irish history when a lot of Irish people sort of rose up. But before that time, there were these army um, people who were sent over to Ireland called the Black and Tans, called that because oh of their really? uh, clothing. Yeah. And they were, you know, awful to the Irish people. Mm-hmm. But those people, you look back now and again you go, oh, they were like traumatized war veterans right. who were sent over and which happens a lot even for us now when we think of the migrant crisis or refugees people don't become people anymore they're uh they dehumanize them dehumanize so, they can so destroy irish them. people were dehumanized right. in the press and then you had these young traumatized soldiers coming on behaving absolutely fucking despicably mm-hmm. and and so just this cycle of the very top people sending anyone or causing the problems are never really affected by right. it. Um, and I often think like if if the UK government had been ruled at the time by a working class people, Ireland and England might have been able to connect and get along. Whereas instead, the class divide between and culture divide between Ireland and England had so little in common that you were never going to see each other for anything. But anyway, that's a big so issue, though, right? Because that's always been uh, it's a been a very classist thing that's what divided ireland and england so much is the well now you look back at it and you think there was religious divides and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and um but uh you know people who are just living hand to mouth and like and working yeah. and trying to make a better life for their family have loads more in common than they have not in terms of religion or accents absolutely um and it's actually like the you know the one percent or even probably the 20 percent who are mm-hmm. who, who live a totally different uh life in that regard but in terms of like a, a very quick sum up and again there's probably going to be people atting me saying i'm getting no they won't wrong. actually well, I, um, I have me people misspeak 
all the time here, and I do a lot too, but I think that's the whole point of it. Because mm-hmm. it, it's like nowadays you can so easily just look up the answer to any question, mm-hmm. but you don't get conversations don't flow if you're stopping mm-hmm. all the time to make sure we're very factually correct here. It doesn't matter as it's, much it's as it's not factually correct. Yeah. It's more especially with a history where it still lives on in in like a warlike environment. The tensions in Northern mm-hmm. Ireland are still killing people, and um, so it, it's a it's something that it's sort of less lol. And if you feel, I suppose, if you're in another country speaking about your own country's history, there's an element of responsibility where you feel like right. This is not. I'm not just firing off my mouth here, but uh, yeah. And then I think like um, some lads came over, killed a few people, but like, what are you gonna do? And then you know you don't yeah. want to be sort of scatter gunning um, uh, stuff. But um, after that sort of period in Ireland, and then there was a civil, uh, there's a civil war. Like our Ireland negotiated a peace treaty, but only got out of our 32 counties, which are like uh, states. Yeah. Uh, uh, but very minuscule in comparison, size wise. We negotiated, um, uh, we didn't get the full 32 counties and the six that were left became Northern Ireland oh. and they would remain owned by Britain. So, those so within the, the Ireland of Ireland, you the have, Protestants. well, in that, in that area of six counties, you had a lot of Catholics and a large amount of Protestant people, mm-hmm. but the Protestant people were the ruling class and there were laws within, say, Britain, which was on the island of Ireland, that were, you know, uh, Catholic people couldn't join the police force mm-hmm. or couldn't, and so... This it, is where Belfast... It, segregation. Is yeah, okay. exactly. Um, so it became segregation and into years of... And so then during the 80s, when people think about what they would call the modern IRA, that right. was people trying Bobby to fight Sands. for peace, and that whole the hunger strikers, exactly, mm-hmm. um, that would have been... Sinn Féin. Sinn Féin. Jerry you're just, I mean, something. you're just like beat beat poetry, jazz, Northern Ireland, Johnny. I used I'm to be really it. into all this stuff. I was really ah, into it in high really? school, the Irish history. I thought it was just so interesting, like a modern well, America guerrilla rebellion. So the amount of people who came over and built this country and the big cities that we have on the, on the backs of all of these things happening. The yeah. famine. During the famine, which was the 1840s in Ireland... Ireland had a country which had 8 million people of it. And during wow. the potato famine, that went down to 4 million. No, that went down to 2 million. Oh, my God. Really? That much? 2 million people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the p- half of the people uh, died from hunger. God which was a huge damn. amount of population. And the other half emigrated predominantly to the UK or America. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that 1840s, like that was the waves of... So when I think of like a lot of us or even the Irish community in America who in any way are not welcoming to people at the borders. I'm like, that was you. That was us. That is our yeah. history. They are our songs. And there with the grace of God go I culturally. So think of your great, great, great grannies or granddads or people in boats, you know, trying to just oh, yeah. like escape the worst. Well, that's what's so interesting to me is the Irish people are very like... I think about this a lot with all the different, uh, what do you call the uh, Commonwealth countries? Mm-hmm. Like there's really all the Commonwealth countries other than UK are super interesting. Like Canada is really interesting to mm-hmm. me. Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm. Ireland, Scotland. Ireland isn't like Commonwealth anymore, but but you know, long time. historically yeah. Commonwealth yes, countries. Yes, yes, yes. They have these interesting uh, stories that mm. make the people are so interesting. I think because they are living like this duality. Mm. And I remember reading some story recently about how. I think it was during the Trail of Tears in the mm-hmm. United States when um, 
uh, huge population of Cherokees were relocated. Yes. There's that's a, a history like when you say you were really interested when i moved here right i had such ignorance about uh black history about that whole like the trail of th- tears right. that things that you would know about probably from school i had no idea until oh, i started yeah. reading up and like i would sit and just sort of like on off days watch um off work days just watch pbs documentaries oh, you know like, the trail? but the, the voiceover person was al- always really chipper no matter what really? she was talking about, like the Trail of Tears was a stain on the American history and what happened to the uh, native population, and but yeah. her voice was always like this. I don't know. I, I gotta watch this one. I don't oh, I, this. I, there's loads of um, yeah. There's just loads of uh, documentaries on PBS right. about things that have happened, and, uh, like th- what what I'm doing here is sort of what I would think would be like a basic whirl of Irish history, but I was enjoying. Her basic the, whirl. Of the American. Yes, which I had no knowledge about or even people from South America moving up and essentially creating this part of America before any kind of people came over from the east side of America or the Boston Tea Party and yeah. Germ- German and English and Irish people landing there and just, yeah. So that was a big like, oh. There is a crazy story that the a bunch of Irish people, extremely poor Irish people, mm-hmm. donated money had it sent over to america to help uh, uh an, Indi- an indian tribe that it's like this thing where it just breaks your heart because you're like yeah. these people who have nothing yeah have nothing at all mm. heard about this plight going on they they managed to get some uh, just mm. a tiny amount of money together and sent it over yeah to this group of cherokees i and think you're like, oh my i think God. we definitely as a culture would connect with any people we feel like as an underdog or an oppressed yeah. You know that's sort of what rallies Irish spirit generally. That's, that's what's like interesting the impression to me. of you, you know. And and I even think it's funny that you you can have a culturally like. Sometimes I I I really appreciate when I get things because of hard work. But if I ever get anything and I feel a bit lucky, I'm like, oh, I don't deserve this. That's, that's I barely went through a single thing for it. That's what you I'm know? talking about. That to me was so interesting about the Irish people because they're so they're so fucking plucky. They're so like hardcore. And I'm like, how did the like? Do you have any idea how that came about? Because it seems to me almost like endemic to like you have someone like Conor McGregor, love him or hate him, he's mm. a great fighter, and he's yeah. like, he feels like he could you know walk through a hail of bullets and just be pissed yeah. at the bullets or something it's, like that. I think it's a um, a sort of straddling of underdog, victim, warrior, and like slight arrogance about our culture. Okay. Uh, all mixed into one, which makes for a heady smorgasbord of traits. And it's that sort of element of loving our own culture. And and one th- one thing I think in terms of you and I talking about this on this podcast in particular is humor is a very interesting part of our culture because you we take things very seriously, but we don't take ourselves very seriously. Okay. And we take that very seriously. Take, take very seriously the not taking, taking seriously. Taking themselves seriously, yeah. Like right. if you met someone who was taking themselves seriously and couldn't handle a joke, which of course can you'd be problematic, you'd be like angry about it. Because they're like <laughs> a stuffed shirt, they're so... Yeah, yeah, you're like, why can he not take a joke? It's almost like You know, you English take it seriously, attitude, right? Not. Sorry? It, you, could, you could even liken it to like a historical... Uh, English perspective like someone who's being like oh you live like this how yeah d- unbelievable how, how dare you and you're like and I think the 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 element of religion it's very rare you get any country anymore and like Ireland isn't like this anymore but it's not crazily far away that has m- just roughly one culture and even the nearest thing to yeah. it that's not the culture is say Protestantism 
Okay. So, for example, Ireland up until like no one kind of moved to Ireland traditionally until maybe the 70s or 80s. So now you have a lot of different Irish people who have different sort of backgrounds and um, parents from different places and stuff like that. And it challenges all of what would mean to be Irish, but there's right. still a, an, um, an energy. Like a spirit. There, a spirit, exactly, which is, I think, that the thing worth fostering and the other things of what it is to be Irish are worth throwing out for a while if they're that strong they'll stay um because you know any culture changes with the different peoples who come yeah. into it but um it's very rare you have people who for hundreds of years had one religion one culture and the nearest thing to diversity was someone who like in a protestant church the chairs face each other and catholics face the front right you know and that's like whoa big deal big deal big difference big difference totally different people oh sure listen no difference really in looks some little laws yeah. but it's no it's like if you threw away the card how would you know what member anyone was from member of the thing yeah you would know it's not crazily you know um, it's not like one leg or one arm or something like mm-hmm. that. But we in the country we treat it like one leg or one arm. Sometimes they have they've arms coming out the back of their heads, like you know, different. You, you can't hand them anything to the front of them. You have to go around the back of their head. That's, that's what you say about arms the Protestants. <laughs> yeah, like but that's that's the attitude, or it has been. Yeah. Um. So it's rare. So I think because of that, what you get is sometimes an overly insular nature, but also a very strong sense of identity and mm-hmm. culture. Because nothing else came in for quite a long time. So a it's very an island. It's an island, but the population is still only now getting to even five million. So we have still My God, never really? reached our I didn't know that. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, five million. So like the sound of us, it's a very loud culture. That's but insane. also um, I have a lot of Indian family mm-hmm. and I often think like India despite India being so much bigger and more vast. Mm-hmm. Because they have a chatty culture and a matriarchal culture as well. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, very much so. You'll often find... Um, so chatty. Chatty, yes. Like to talk. Yeah, exactly. You'll often find people jumping over familiarity to work out how I know you. So like they'll go, oh, do you know him? Oh, yes. And that's my both okay. from Kerala. Yes, of course. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your uncle's my cousin's friend's brother. Right. And uh, the same thing happens in Irish culture. And that means that I think we promote ourselves and our culture louder mm-hmm. so it it sounds louder almost like dance music even though there's not as many of you exactly it's, same, it's like there's an irish pub everywhere in the goddamn world yes but and there's, there's probably no loads Welsh more like pubs. french bistros but yeah. they don't make such a singing song and dance about it yeah i went to yeah. an irish pub i think like in in like bahrain or something like yeah. that i went yeah, to an irish yeah. and it was bumping and there was a lot there's of actually people quite a there. large irish community i think in bahrain really yeah well mm. a lot of uh, irish people really plowed money into education okay. so you've got a lot of engineers and stuff who go out really? to Bahrain yeah, yeah see randomly. I don't know this stuff this is why I'm interested because I feel like Ireland is like this I've only recently learned that it's it really is has has a different um, there's so many different things about it than let's say the U- say like England or Scotland it's very different history yeah but you might but not it seems the same because yes it, you always think lump people together who speak the same language mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it seems like oh they just speak english differently yeah when really they're very vastly mm. different it just happens to, to have a common language i think the same is is true of like there are just certain countries that are louder like mm. i don't know a lot about welsh history i went out with someone welsh and i learned a lot more about welsh history that way but i hadn't known and i think uh 
Welsh culture has been quieter traditionally than yeah, maybe Scottish quiet. or Irish. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a country so near me, right. so near to us culturally, mm-hmm. with quite a similar like underdog tale in many ways, but no sea separating it from England. And yet I don't know that much about it. And that fascinated me. Like the things I don't know that feel like they're just outside my window. Yeah. Or even with you growing up with a Catholic background. So it's not crazily far connected from, from Irish culture. Um, that you're like, oh God, I didn't even know that. Or I come to America so much and to LA. Well, that's what we all started talking about. Knowing about this. American history. Yes, yes, that's what got us off on this trail of cheers. A trail of cheers. <laughs> but how did you end up, how, how did you like, decide to come here? It seems like to me, that seems like such a bold thing to do just to be like, oh, I'm going to go across the ocean and do... Well, stand-up helped. I did this uh, competition in Edinburgh called So You Think You're Funny. Okay. And I was, I'd been an actor for years, but I had just started stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I won this competition in Edinburgh and just... It just created a bit of buzz. Was during the festival or this something This during else? the festival, okay. yeah. And a lot of American agents and people right. kind of come over for the festival. Like, you should come to LA. You should come to LA. So I was like, well, I suppose I'd give it a go. And I came out for like a week and a half and was completely overwhelmed and like for pilot season. Oh my God, you did it? Oh, I That's did. Funny. Yeah, and that was probably about eight years ago. But the one thing I was always really grateful for was stand-up because I don't think I'd still be coming out here yeah. if it hadn't been for stand-up because... When you come out here as an actor for pilot season, which is when you just audition, they try which to make a load of new really shows. Exist anymore. It doesn't really exist yeah. anymore. Like seasons don't totally exist. But when it used to be that way, mm-hmm. you would essentially go and be pretend creative, i.e. trying to get a job, see right. other actors who are in competition with you, and that's the only community we would make. Yeah. And it's not a it's really it can be really lonely. It's not a good community. Whereas when I booked stand up shows whether they were sort of more alt or not, you and I on a gig together, we're not competing. No. We are do- and we are also doing the end goal. Tonight is the end goal of this show. It's not an audition to get somewhere else. Mm-hmm. We are in the room and we have to make we're it better. We're doing the thing. We're doing the thing yeah. and we are already in the room making it good. Right. And so that stand-up became my grounder in LA. And what I found was like, you know, if you come to London, you can stay in my house. And comedians are quite good at like, Oh, yeah, do you want to come and do my podcast? You, how long are you in town? Yeah. Because we're all a bit wandering clowns in a circus. And yeah. I first met you in Montreal and just for laughs and probably some other LA people there. Mm-hmm. And one of my f- best friends who's an Australian comedian and lives in Australia. I know I can do gigs if I go to Australia. And you'll... Well, not right now. You'll find <laughs> your... Not like now. They really won't let me in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can sort of land in. It's almost like you've got, you're a bit more of a traveling salesman as a stand-up. It still, it strikes me as something that's so, it's so bold because mm. the idea of going over to Ireland or to England to perform for me, it's so scary. Because really? Because it's that thing where, I know we speak you the know same language. In, you know we have our lovely friends Mandy and Joel right. who run the Super Serious show. Right. They had been doing Super Serious, they brought Super Serious, an LA small show, right. old gig, to... Um, Edinburgh mm-hmm. and they got me to MC it a couple of times they have remained my firm friends yeah and that was one of my favorite things to do when I came out to LA and when I was looking at that on online or on Twitter all those years ago I felt like that felt like so far away and now yeah. that feels like home and they take great photos and they've made this beautiful coffee table book but they're here called a super serious show yes and they're but I mean here like but like you are in that coffee table book with a couple of my other friends, right. and that is on my coffee table in London. Right. So you, a lot of pictures of you are on my, as, as well as obviously my dream and mood board <laughs> in my bedroom, are on a coffee table. Like you are not, and because of comedy and, and, and 
uh, YouTube and where how people watch stuff. Yeah. People live through the products that they like rather than the area that they're in a lot more. I still would be scared to go over there because I don't know who those people, the people, Joel and Manny you were talking about live mm-hmm. here. I don't know the people in overseas who are the, that version of it in London. Yes, you know but I mean? there's so many Americans who live in London. There's always right. someone. I remember Kamal and Emily were like there while he was filming Eternals, and I probably like saw them in the last two years as much as I would have seen some friends who live up the street from me. Right. And as actors and comedians, you're always moving around. So there's someone. All we live in the big town, so there's always someone around. I was pl- I was planning a trip there actually, uh, in right from the pandemic. I was planning on going to London for about two weeks to do shows during Edinburgh. So I figured mm. like. My show's not ready yet to do to apply for Fringe. I want to yeah. do it overseas first and just do just do stand up gigs, mm-hmm. you know. So I was talking to a friend over there about booking shows, and then obviously, you know, this crazy thing happened. It stopped everything, mm-hmm. and that was like two years ago at this point. Yeah. But that was the first time I was like, okay, I think I want to do this because something. It just to me, there's a there's a huge gulf between. It's the same language, but opinions are so different. It's, it's, so, it's but so you scary. know you only. You rip off that plaster and you realize how much in your head that was. You know, it's like going yeah. traveling. You're like, oh, no, I remember getting panicked before I sort of moved to London about the idea of going to an airport on my own. For okay. me, that was something I did as a kid when I we went on a holiday. And my mother, but someone of a great authority, mm-hmm. would be with me to show me what a gate was. Right. was now, I'm in airports so much all the time it's the worst and I probably know the inside and outside of every airport I hate it so much I know every bit of a plane yeah. but it seemed like such a foreign concept to me and I think that can also be like people you think there's such a foreign concept to you until you chat and you're like oh we all love cheese or we all right. pizzas everywhere or whatever it is and I even realised here you know there is a bit of a difference between uh, say doing stand up in New York or doing stand up in LA but actually what I realized was normally if I got the MC to say I was from Ireland, just so people's ears were like, oh, yeah, it's just a second. It's just a signifier. Right. Then I could say the exact same stand up, but they've just had a beat to get on board with an accent or yeah. just re-regulate their brain and ears. Because like, my viewpoint is the you opposite know? is where you say they say this guy is from America and they're like, oh, we don't want to see him. No, Americans. that's such a foreign idea. <laughs> yeah, that's, And also like there are so many people. It does get drilled people. into you about that sometimes is that because uh, America's perspective overseas is not always mm-hmm. positive with certain people. Of course, mm-hmm. of course. But all you need is you're not that. You're I'm not American. Person. I'm just an American. Yeah. Right. And also sometimes. So my great equivalent here would be, you know, if you're going to a dinner party with friends mm-hmm. And then you're a person who's met someone and you go to a dinner party at their house where you don't really know who else is going to be there. And you walk in and you might have to say, hi, I'm Johnny. I know Ashling through stand up in L.A. I'm Mm -hmm. also a comedian. And they're like, oh, fine. Do you like cheese? I love cheese. And suddenly you're into the exact same thing you wanted to talk about at the other party. It's true. But you just needed to give someone a few little signifiers to bring it back full circle. I think the thing for me the is... the house, which I didn't totally always realize that yeah. I need to do just a little bit of help and it's not patronizing an audience. It's not denying or betraying yourself. You don't have to change yourself entirely. You just have to do a little bit of the hellos and pleases and thank you to explain... The situation, the, the, the situation, setting and the... Uh, the setting that you're in, exactly. You know? I, mean, I have done a bunch of stand-up in Australia and those were some of the best shows I've ever done in my entire life. Ah, see? But I think the thing is, is Australia... 
New Zealand, Ireland, Scotland, those all seem great because they're all those countries where it's like, we're kind of like the, or Canada too, we're kind of like these weird bastard uh, sister brothers, whereas the UK is like, what have you got for me? <laughs> oh, that's quite clever. See, that's, you're almost <laughs> you know what treating mean? English people there though, like, like you thought they would treat an American. There you go. Excuse me, America. <laughs> Give us back our tea from Boston. Give us back our tea, Johnny. So, you see, I'm, I'm fairly <laughs> ju- prejudging them essentially for uh, a non-existent yeah. possibility of them judging me. And also, you know yeah. what happens is you just got to go to the same clubs you like going to here. And that's what yeah. I would find. I remember the first few gigs I did here. It's now closed down very sadly was Meltdown. Right. And I was like, oh, this is my, sh- this is the same show just in a hotter country that yeah. I would do in the UK. The same as Super Serious. Right. And I was less of a sort of club comic and would still not totally see myself as more of a club comic. Right. Um, just be- because I feel less practiced at that sometimes. And when I do that, that's where I have to sort of get my head a bit more around. Whereas mm-hmm. the weirder, sillier gigs, I find myself a bit more free. Or Oh, yeah, the best. Yes. And, um, and so finding your weirder, sillier gigs mm-hmm. in... Um, in London is is would just be the thing. It's funny. I always say gigs, and you know Andrew Michan, who's a brilliant stand-up. Right. Andrew was one of the first people I met in LA, and one of the first pals I met here. And he just did a brilliant kind of weird stand-up set. And again, I was like, I'm in LA, and I'm doing a gig at the back of a taco shop, or a fish tap. Remember that gig at right. fish taco? Yeah. And I was like, God, this is. I mean, this is mad. In my head, I was like, it was going to be, you know, back to Harvey Weinstein. Just constant, you know, those ones. Yeah. And um, what I love about stand-up in LA is people will, they just want to create and get up and try and mm. make stuff. Um, and Scrappy. Andrew was like, I know someone's been talking to you now because they start to say gig instead of show. Because for you, like a gig is like a musical gig. Yeah, a gig feels ca- very kind of like, uh, yeah, I got a gig all across town. We got to go bust your ass yeah, two hours away. Yeah. I got a couple gigs. I'm trying to pick up some bread here. I need a ride. Uh, Whereas you know. if you said show, for me, I'm like a whole hour. Oh, I've got a okay. show in town. I'm like, oh, that's a big Johnny Pemberton gig. Sunset Boulevard poster. That's true. You're right. I guess it is, it is a good distinction. A actually. show, you know. A show. A big show. Yeah, I got a show. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll start saying gig. It feels weird to say gig because it does like, feel very I musical. I remember you and, um, oh, who was it? Uh, you had a show at the back of a restaurant and you would talk into the microphone while the person was on stage. Oh, yeah, Dicker. Yes, that mm, one. Dicker Troy. And I remember like that, that for me was like a, an oddly Edinburgh, London-y type of gig and I didn't know what to expect and I didn't really know you guys then so I was a bit like, oh, what's happening or yeah, what's going people, on? It catches a lot of people off guard and some people cannot hang with it. Yes. It has a lot of trouble. And I, what I remember simple. doing it that like I was ready for you guys to improv and you didn't improvise as much with me as you did with your friend and I was like, oh no, you can absolutely throw throw anything at me I don't mind but it's almost like you guys are being really polite with me and I was like throw something at me or maybe don't or maybe oh, don't okay. and then, you know oh, and yeah like, I mean maybe we were just yeah because you I, were being kind with me and I actually wanted you to be as mean as you would be with someone you knew really that's well, always how it works it's always the opposite people yeah. people who don't want it or people who are like oh you're gonna get it now yeah exactly and I was like oh yeah. don't treat me like a girl I'm not a girl right now you know treat me like a boy um, but I but I remember I was like oh this is a real like this would absolutely be a, t- a classic London old scene. I can't wait to get show. over there. I'm excited to once it's I just once feel it's like possible. You've gotten in your head about it. I suppose I've had a lot of time though. It's yeah. more just like I really want to just do it and not think about the how and just uh, anytime I just book something, then it's like well uh, once I get over there I'll just I want you I'll to do, do a version of I'll do it, but with action. 
I've just taken a load of ecstasy. Right. And see what happens. I have, yeah, I guess I, I, I have to, I <laughs> was know, trying to do it. Just try it, yeah. I tried to do it, but then the pandemic happened. So mm-hmm. I'm waiting for us. We're actually supposed to go, tr- Duncan Trussell and I were supposed to go do a huge tour. If anyone's listening right now, uh, because you've been directed here by old Ashling, your Irish friend who lives in London a lot of the time, please go and see Johnny Pemberton when he comes to... We were supposed to. It's not London. happening now. <gasps> but it will. That's, it'll happen eventually, but, mm-hmm. you know, because of all this, how the unending fruit, fruit, pandemic yes. is... She who must not be named. Yeah, oh, that's actually a good way to describe it. Mm. That's such a, how long have you been doing that for? Literally now. Oh my God, that's from yeah, now on? this is absolutely... That's the pandemic is... That she thing must which not be my, that, that must be named. The thing that w- that shall not be said ha- mm. occurred, <coughs> and these things got scuttled or yeah. indefinitely pro- uh, postponed, postponed. But that was going to be postponed my Malone, my postponed. favorite rapper. That's like a terrible joke, but he probably laugh at maybe it. Maybe somebody liked it somewhere. He would laugh at it. Do you think you'll ever leave London as your home base? Oh, well, I was going to move here before the pandemic. Right. I was planning to move. I love America. I love the culture of America. Mm-hmm. Um. So positives, because often you know America gets a bad rap because of the situation politically as well, it has so been. There's so much going on and here. So much, and just like, and God love all countries at the moment. There's been no real leadership for a long time across uh-huh. the board, everywhere, left or right, Boris. up or down, <laughs> side to side, middle, and underneath it all, it feels like we're all scrambling around, going, mm. "There's no parents, there's no parents," and fighting yeah. with each other. And it's just like you just want some parents who are who just feel like they've got the right moral compass and wisdom hit and like me. hit me <laughs> just fucking abuse me so i have Come something on. to be sad about yeah whereas instead it just feels like it's just a you don't trust that you know the parents aren't sort of drinking and driving yeah. a lot of the time or or covering it well or not well at all um and you're in the back in the seat belts going exactly um so, uh, but the things I love about American culture, Johnny Pemberton, how open Americans are like, hi, how are you? Like, and they're like, oh, open. Like, mm-hmm. hello. Okay. You know, just, it's just very open. They love big people. They love big personalities th- yeah. and jazzy, glittery loudness. I recently learned about that, how the idea that... We like are so emotionally available to strangers, and how yes. like in France, if you see some in France, in France, if you <laughs> see someone on the street, you wouldn't just be like, "Oh hi," and smile, because yeah. why are you gonna waste your energy on some stranger? Yes, it's not being mean. It's just like I don't know you. Why I don't would know I? You. Why would I? So, and both sides I? are totally understandable. Yeah, it's because totally like, fine. I get energy from the size of you mm-hmm. because then you'll like the size of me. But it's also, I read this book uh, called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And it, it, it talks about, uh, well, I used to have a kind of stand up about this, about how in America, a beloved story is to say of most people is, my grandfather came here with nothing, yeah. nothing. He came here with nothing and he built everything from nothing. He built something from nothing. Which like is that's a, a very, very ridiculous concept. Because, well, one of the things is it completely discounts spirit. And anyone including the Irish people who came well, here. Especially the Irish people. Who got on a boat and left their family probably quite young mm-hmm. with no probably long-term access to letters or letter writing or phones or emails or Skypes. Not even an Insta Live, mm-hmm. Johnny. <laughs> um, and got here. That in itself is a family trait. That is a quality. That is something that's more than like the dollars in your pocket. Oh, it's because it's an it's entrepreneurial inspiration, a fearlessness, yeah, and a confidence that backs yourself to get on a boat. 
And so America, if there's one thing America feels predominantly made up of, it's people who at some, as well, not everyone, actively wanted to get on the boat of course um <laughs> that's a pretty dark part of the history oh my as well, god that's I the best way i've ever heard it said yeah i remember myself and my friend Khadif, who's caribbean talked yeah. about it and like um no, no, i want to get on the boat yeah, yeah irish people versus like you know when we can't exactly say certain parts of it was slavery we were like well that's did you get on the boat or were you put in the boat right um uh it's actually a joke and make i make in my television series this way up all two series are available on hulu please watch check it, it out check with it sharon out. right Yes, with Sharon Horrigan. Was the first TV show I ever did was with her. Oh, yeah. my God. I think it was, yeah, it was her show. Oh. But that was a while ago. You would be beloved by her because you're a great I love, I love her. She's the best. Um, so, uh, yes. But that idea of that in itself is a cultural trait. Yeah. And that means that you left all the people who were too scared mm-hmm. to get on the boat somewhere else. And why this country if there's any culture that exists the element of come on let's go yeah is kind of quite loved and supported and like Mm -hmm. yeah and one thing i also love is there there's a not a lot of shame and if you think there's a lot of shame attached to failure here go elsewhere and you realized oh my god you've got nothing on anywhere else the idea that like You'll be in your Uber and they'll be like, yeah, I'm an Uber driver now. I used to have a, 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 a business. Uh, we were on Wall Street. Uh, I used to have two billion come through my account every single day. Now I drive Uber. So yeah. I'm going to go again. And you're like, yeah, cool. Whereas you would go into shame and hiding and go, we'll never get over. How could we ever trust right. you again? You lost your two and now you're driving an Uber. Yeah. And you would say the sentence. You've shamed the family name. Shame the family. You Mm -hmm. would say it with low energy rather than the energy it takes to try something out and give something a go. Yeah. Fail and fail loudly. And that's one thing I really love about America is fail and fail loudly and go again. I think that whole that whole idea is also I mean, it sounds crazy to say this, but I'm pretty sure that's the reason we had COVID so bad here Mm. is because I mean, I love the attitude, but there is that certain a- certain attitude of like, you don't tell me what to do, I tell me what to do. We're gonna fucking yeah, sti- we're gonna stick it's, it out. It's we're a gonna wound do it. and a gift. That quality it can and be that, the same thing that hurts you helps. Yeah, you. I think that's why we we're destined to always have it bad here because people were never gonna agree to a type of collectivism that was required mm. to stop a virus in yeah. the way we had to do it. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing where people are like wringing their hands and you know, like, why won't you do this? It's like. Because they're Americans, we're just we're just not going to do it because yeah. we're stubborn. Collectivism we're is an so interesting one. stubborn. We're but so also incredibly it's a, stubborn. But you prize individualism so much, mm-hmm. and and that is a beautiful thing. But, but I suppose then when you lean into collectivism, yeah. how does that? When you need collectivism to help individuals, yeah. how do you ma- how do you manage that? And that's where we need some parents. Can some parents please just take over, please parents? Please, please parents. Please parents, if you're out there. Yeah. Ironically, I do feel a bit like like the Macaulay Culkin at the end of Home Alone, <laughs> where it's like, now it's time for the parents to come back. This is harsh. I did all this stuff. I, I yeah, almost killed these lessons. two men. I've defended it myself, yeah. but I wouldn't want another weekend like this, and I'm quite lonely and need to know how to run a bath so and what, wash myself. Macaulay Culkin? Macaulay Culkin. Speaking of. <gasps> Speaking of. Well, <laughs> what a bloody segue. <laughs> also watch the new Home Alone on Disney+. Plus. Did you, Johnny? I haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to watch it. Ah. But that's why we should watch it. People please watch, watch it, it, but also please watch the second series of my television show, yes. This Way Up, which is now all available on Hulu. <laughs> Great. Yeah, just always, you know, that's see in America, 
I can absolutely plug my show and people you can't are like, yeah, that? back yourself, girl. You can't do that other places? Sometimes it might be like, we get it, Ashling. Wow. You know, that's it's arrogant, maybe. It might be, it might lean into arrogance. Yeah, I get that. Because I think I'm from the Midwest and there's sort of a similar, mm. I've watched um, videos of people talking about like, like, uh, I mean, it's the cla- it's it's prevalent in a lot of cultures. The idea of um, would you like some cake? And you'd be like, oh no, I can't be. Tr- mm. No, I don't want to trouble no, you. No, I don't want to trouble you. Sorry would you like for some? wanting it. Yeah. Would you like some, please? It's like no, no, no. no, no How no, you no. say no like three times? If yeah. you actually want cake, you say no. No three times. Three times. That's the um, that's the Irish culture as well. Yeah, that's similar so. in the Midwest. It's or a if you get a compliment, Johnny, your T-shirt's nice. No, oh, I look like a pilot. I found this. I found it. It's it smells terrible. Do you want it? Do you want the shirt? It's covered in. Too, yeah, but yeah, um, and then eventually you'll go. Well, thank you. That's nice, but I I don't know. I have another problem. So just in case you think I've got a great life, <laughs> I've got another problem, <laughs> and so it balances out me looking nice in this t-shirt. I have diarrhea. Yeah, <laughs> I have diarrhea. Yes, I. Ha- so this t-shirt being nice, I mean, is probably the only good thing in my life. I bought a new car, but it, it's I had uh, I've lost a. L- I actually have gangrene. I have. I've run over gangrene. my whole family with it. Terrible so it's gangrene. Not, it doesn't mean the great thing that you think it does. Yeah. So that's that's one thing I kind of. America took an edge off me mm. that I didn't mind losing of like going, oh, if you have a problem with my sort of like, uh, I'm really proud of my thing. Please. That's great. Please watch it. Th- rather than like, oh, sorry for mentioning it. But if you could actually mention it, then that would be great. You know, that's quality. It just yeah. took a little bit of the edge off. And that's one thing I really absorb from whether you can call it the culture of America or not. But that is one thing that I'm like, ah, I feel a little bit more. Shameless self-promotion. Shameless self-promotion. Even then, you did, that wasn't shameless. That was sort of like ap- it was appropriate. But isn't it funny the word the word shameless? That um, even the phrase of like, have you no shame, Johnny Pemberton? Have you no coming shame. in here with the diarrhea in you? And you know, like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, is shame now a positive thing? That you know, shameless yeah. is for some reason a negative. And you're like, oh, we're always talking about not having shame anymore, and yet the word shameless is a positive or is a negative. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it probably depends on the timing and the when you yeah. how you use it, but I suppose it's kind of antiquated. It must have something to do with shame being God a positive. Knows, God knows what it means. It's probably, probably the old Catholics up to their old tricks. Shame. Church. It's That'll be a keep church you now thing. exactly where you should how be. How dare you? How very dare you. <laughs> Thank you for talking with me. Johnny, I've had a lovely time. This is a lovely time in this little brunch nook. Oh, a little brunch nook. What would you call this in Ireland? I think we call it a brunch nook. A brunch nook. Yeah. You have you have brunch? I will, I will only in a nook. Only in a nook. Mm. Is there anything that's super Irish that people don't know about? It's like anything that's super Irish that people don't know about. You probably wouldn't even be aware that it name, is. Name a category and I'll tell you something. Um, food. On, fo- okay, food. Um, uh, there is this... Irish drink called red lemonade <laughs> and it's served at every like communion and party that we would have had right. and it's illegal in most parts of the EU because there's so many E numbers in it but e? like it's a f- E numbers you know like an e, number? e numbers are oh my god like look at the backs of lots of food it, they're like additives and colorants oh. and stuff and most of those are illegal in the EU except in Ireland where they're legal so what is it it's like it's just like artificial lemonade flavored. but like orange colored mm-hmm. but the sort like you drink like a sip and your lips are orange your tongue is orange your teeth are orange so it was a very normal sight to see Ar- like Irish children running around yes okay but more stainy and it, you nice. think this is probably staining inside if, if it's got anything on what it's staining outside but a, a, a familiar image of mine of Irish children would be orange mouths. 
because of the amount of red lemonade we were drinking all the time. And you know, at the time in the 80s and 90s, no one told you what was in food. Oh, no. You're just like, look, he gets loads of energy from that. You know, this is a brick of potassium sorbate to cut up and exactly. divide among your friends. You don't even friends. have to give them carrots anymore. You can just give them this potassium sorbate. You want some xanthan gum? Yeah, xanthan gum sounds lovely. Ashlyn's red lemonade. Lemonade. TK red lemonade. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being in my brunch nook. Um, should we sing something as an outro? Oh, I would love, I love singing. Like a tone? What's um, your favorite tone? Oh, B sharp? Um, <laughs> C natural. I, like a jazzy... <laughs> Johnny, your lungs. <gasps> Someone's not had COVID. Wow. Johnny! That's so much air. Johnny, your face. Uh. <laughs>